Well, well, um, the um, final whistle went about an hour ago. Uh, Manchester United 3, Liverpool 2. And I thought before the match that I didn't really care about the FA Cup. And in the grander scheme, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I think, um, you know, it's only good if you win it. Um, and if you don't win it, and I don't think Manchester United will win it, then it's just, you know, a load of huffing and puffing for nothing. However, I, I don't exactly feel as sick as a dog, but I feel as sick as a puppy, perhaps. Um, I'm lucky, though. I'm happy. I'm really, really happy to be joined uh, by Peter and by Abdul from the excellent Watch LFC uh, account, which you'd, you should all follow on Twitter. And also to be joined by um, an, a new guest, Luke, um, from the 1892 Reds podcast which is a youtube channel you should everybody should watch great stuff luke welcome to cop on podcast and you know how are you feeling are you feeling as sick as a dog as sick as a puppy or uh you know sicker than any kind of animal or not as sick as any animal at all hi mate um thanks for letting me come on to your show um yeah i feel i feel good but um obviously the performance itself I think it was really encouraging to see Liverpool come out of a good performance tonight. Obviously, the result wasn't the one that we wanted. But um, I think overall, um, yeah, obviously disappointed that we've lost the game. But I'm actually quite encouraged looking at the game coming up Thursday against Spurs. I'm a bit more confident that we can maybe get a result there. So, yeah, kind of disappointed that we you know, lost the way we did. But on the flip side, a lot better from Liverpool tonight. It was a lot better. There were more, um, you know, good chances. There were even a, a couple of moments when uh, the ball went into some weird net thing, uh, which saved, you know, saved them having to walk very far to pick up the ball from behind the goal. That was a bit weird, wasn't it, Abdul? Um, how how are you feeling? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> uh, and it was Salah as well, because he's been going, obviously, through a bit of a tough spell after he posted the uh, Christmas tree picture. Everybody thinks it's a conspiracy that his God has left him, but he actually got two tonight. So, yeah, um, absolutely exactly what Luke said. Real, we've, We had some real positives tonight. Um, there's a couple of patches of play where Firmino was really showing his quality as well. And that was great to see because, um, you know, there's been a lot of questions around him recently. Um but yeah, in, in general, much better than the last few weeks. And uh, obviously, it's a tough result to take against our biggest rivals. Um, I didn't want to... I wanted to have a really good challenge in the FA Cup this year. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's not meant to be. But hopefully, we can take the positives from tonight into the next few matches. Because, you know, I think our next run of eight games, you've got some really, really big ones. So yeah, positive to see some positive signs. I like it. There you go. Two positive answers. Um, Darren Wilde, who's a friend of Copon, um, he put in our WhatsApp group. He said, this run of form is like having an annoying cough. One of those that's rib hurting and painful. One that keeps you and the family awake. You know it's going to go, but you wish it would fuck off right now. Um, is that how you feel about Bruno Fernandes, Peter? How are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, especially uh, how I feel about Bruno Fernandez. I- I'm feeling mixed. 
like you, Owen, I I didn't care too much about the FA Cup, but you can't help um, but care about a bad result, especially against United. And there were some positives to take away, but there was also still uh, some issues that that remain. And uh, so that's why I'm, I'm still not sure. Uh, once I sleep on it, I think it'll make a little bit more sense emotionally. But uh, I, I'd like to just point out that, that I think Reese Williams is just not the answer. And I know we're really low on personnel. I know Henderson is out with a little groin issue, um, nothing too serious, hopefully. Um, but I, you know, and we've spoken about this a little bit, Owen, uh, you and I, but I, I'm just wondering where Nat Phillips is. Uh, he has yet to be found out as often as Reese Williams has. Uh, he's older, so he's got a lot more experience. And obviously Klopp knows mountains more <laughs> of information and insight than I do. And perhaps he's doing something that frustrates Klopp. But from my, uh, from my eyes, um, I just, I wish I could say I was surprised that Reese Williams, you know, put in a, a, a mistake that led to a goal. And, and that's just frustrating, you know, this conversation the last, last several months, but especially the last few weeks about our need for a center back. That does remain. Um, but positive-wise, um, I would say, my biggest takeaway from today was no injuries. And that's what I wanted, especially when I saw how strong of a lineup we put out there today. I'm just really happy we at least walk away with some positives and with all of our ligaments still intact, uh, knock on wood. But I am just, I, I'm at a loss for words when I wonder where, where Tacky is and where Phillips is, because we just haven't seen too much of him. And I, I don't know why. It's a curious one. It really is. Um, the only way I can explain it uh, to myself as much as anyone else is that, um, you know, especially with, with Minamino who hasn't played, of course, since scoring against Palace, even though we've been struggling for goals and form. Um, but yeah, um, just that Klopp sees them every day in training. And this is why we have to, uh, you know, trust the manager, trust in him. Um, we're going to talk about our, our sort of more general um, malaise uh, and, you know, what we can do about it and how bad it really is compared to, you know, because I think it's a bit exaggerated, actually. But we'll get into all of that soon. But I want to focus on this game. Uh, when the lineups came out, Luke, um, as Peter was saying, um, of course, Reese Williams was there, uh, other notable uh absentees were Manny and Henderson who has some kind of groin problem apparently and you know godspeed Jordan with your recovery there uh Luke how did you feel when you when you saw the lineup where you were and also Man United's lineup two strong teams right yeah um I, I was actually quite pleased that Jurgen Klopp picked a team as he did because you know the the recent form that we've we've shown over the last five to six games, we do need to, you know, put in a performance. And I think we did that tonight. And I think, you know, it's you know, apart from the defeat, I think we, we've shown that we are able to, to score goals. We are able to, you know, create chances and we're able to, to play against teams that are in front of us. I think it's, I mean, Man United, I think they probably knew that Liverpool were going to put out a strongest team because, you know, the form that we've been showing, 
But um, yeah, like I was, I was really impressed that uh, um, with Curtis Jones tonight. I think he done pretty well, especially with him out of position, mainly in the first half. Um, I think he done pretty well, you know, during the game. Um, I've got a lot of sympathy for Reese Williams as well. I mean, yes, he's may, he may not be good enough for the day, especially and the uncertainty with Matip every week. I do think Reese Williams has has tried his best, and obviously from coming from from Kidderminster to then playing for the Champions of England, it's a massive, massive golf indifference. And I feel for him; he has made some mistakes, and hopefully, you know, he'll learn from these mistakes in years to come. Um, just looking at, just lastly, just looking at other performances, I was really impressed with Firmino tonight. I think he showed his great link up alongside with Salah getting his two goals, which he done really well. But I was very impressed with Roberto Firmino tonight. I think he was probably our best player in my opinion. And yeah, I was, I was uh, again, I've, I've said it a few times before, disappointed with the result, but I'm very, very impressed with the performance and looking forward to Thursday. Uh, yeah, great answer. Thank you very much. Yeah, Bobby Firmino, uh, two assists. He had four key passes in total. Uh, one shot, uh, one dribble. He was fouled only once, according to the referee, who we, I don't really want to talk about too much. He made one tackle. His his closing down was pretty good. Um, I thought it was, yeah, it was a decent performance by Firmino and uh, Mo Salah. Uh, six shots, four on target, uh, two goals. I thought he was uh, absolutely excellent today. Um even though, yeah, of course, as usual, he could have passed on one or two occasions. But I like it when he takes the shots. It shows that he's keen and he's certainly capable. Um, Abdul, um, this performance then, I mean, look at it, some, some stats. We had 14 shots with six on target. Exactly the same as Manchester United. 14 shots and six on target. We had 59% of the possession, though. Uh, 577 passes in total with a passing accuracy of 85% compared to 80% for Manchester United. Um, nobody really deserved to win, maybe, Abdul. If, you know, a, a draw would have been a fair result. Not that it's, um, you know, not that it's allowed in the FA Cup. Or do you think we were a bit unlucky? I, I wanted to uh, go to extra time, to be honest, like in the last... Before they scored the third one, I was like, okay, you know, this is an interesting match, you know. I thought both teams, you know, they played um, quite well. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of looking forward to extra time for some reason. But, um, and maybe even penalties after that. But, I, I, yeah, I, like, we, like we've all said, I think, the, the main positive was Liverpool kind of got through their little hump when it came to not being able to create chances, not being able to score goals. Um, the two goals from Salah proved that there was one delicious ball I remember from Trent in the first half or maybe the second half, not sure, but he was kind of better today, um, showing a lot more accuracy with his crossing. Um, I can't remember many, many more clear chances, but I feel like, uh, Mane had one chance where Trent crossed it to him and he didn't really get a connection on it. But in general, our creative play was there, um, so that bodes well. Uh, hopefully, in the next few matches, uh, we can just tighten up the defence. Because I think with United, we literally, apart from the one chance that Cavani had, I can't really remember much else that they created. They scored basically one goal from a transition. Um, 
which was basically Milner was kind of jogging back and then he missed the clearance header and then Greenwood had an excellent finish, which he probably wouldn't do. If he had like three chances, he'd probably miss two and then put the one away. And then we had one chance, Nat Phillips, uh, sorry, Reese Phillips, no, Reese Williams. Uh, Reese Williams uh, messed up his touch and that was finished. So United were very clinical. And then the set piece, obviously, that was also a very clinical finish. So I don't know. I feel like... Uh, yeah, it was it was quite well balanced. I think United did deserve something from it, um, but I feel like Liverpool could have easily won that match. Liverpool last season probably would have won that match. Liverpool with Van Dijk, Gomez in there, Henderson in there in the midfield as well, helping support them on the transitions. We probably would have won that match usually, but um, yeah, we just got hit by really informed Manchester United teams. So yeah, um, that's all I can say. <laughs> It's a lovely answer. It's really good. You mentioned Trent Alexander-Arnold. He was a bit better today indeed uh, compared to the last match, the painful one at Burnley. Um, another painful one where he had, I think it was 18 crosses and, and none of them were accurate. Today he had six crosses and none of them were accurate, but 18 long balls and eight of them were accurate. So, I mean, it's a marginal improvement. He could still do a lot better, but... He didn't seem so dejected, I thought, Peter, today. You know, I think he's an interesting one to talk about, Trent. What did you think of his performance? Yes, I have to agree. I was taking notes during the game, and I kept finding myself documenting um, play from Trent. He was really standing out for me a lot in the first half. And in the first minute, he played a beautiful long long ball and switched the play to Rabo and put the, put the ball right on, right on his foot. Um, he was also providing some really good cover for Williams. Um, I made a special note. Uh, Williams was up against Rashford once or twice in the opening 20 minutes, and both times Trent came in and helped clean up. So there was a, a little bit more defensive um, solidity from him. Um, that doesn't get talked about enough because that used to be a little bit of his weakness. I, I think he, uh, he maybe could have done better. Um, when Cavani had that chance late on, he left him a little bit unmarked. But, I mean, you know, you're playing against the top side and world-class players. Other than that one moment, I just have a lot of notes where I thought Trent was was doing better. You know, I mean, he's an output player. He has to take those risks. He has to put the ball in um, to to the areas. You know, they're, they're not all high-probability um, passes. So I was, uh, yeah, I was pleased with his performance as well. And, Luke, to your point, I, I think there's a lot of good takeaways. Um, it was a positive performance. I was also encouraged by what I saw from Curtis Jones. It was nice to see him back and getting into the mix as well. I thought he was a little isolated in the first half at times playing in that uh, on the left wing, but when he kind of came and towards the ball, uh, especially when they were um, pressing high, I thought he was very effective. So I, I like watching his development as well. Yes, Curtis. He had 51 passes in the match, which is the same, exactly the same amount as James Milner. And James Milner had 88.2% uh, passing accuracy, which is excellent. And But Curtis Jones, 19 years old, had 90.2% passing accuracy. Um, Curtis is, is wonderfully uh, adept at keeping the ball. That was the the highest passing accuracy percentage in, in, in the whole game on on either side um but luke i wonder if you feel like i do that perhaps curtis because he's got so much more to his game than just 
you know, keeping the ball. And, you know, when he takes risks like, you know, little back heels or dummies or, you know, little jinx, maybe he could do that a little bit more. Um, to, you know, break through a bit uh, the lines? Or are you happy with him, you know, keeping the ball as well as he does? Yeah, I I was very impressed with him, especially second half. Um, When Mane came on and then he was able to go into that central position that we all know that Curtis Jones is able to play, I was really impressed with him. And we've seen it, you know, in, in games where, you know, especially the Tottenham game at home a month ago where, for me, he was our man of the match. I think he was outstanding. He was able to to come from midfield to link up with the front three, like play one twos, try and sort of create chances. You know, he he sort of solo handedly created that first goal that night, which you know it was a bit lucky that Salah had scored it. But you know, at the end of it, it was it was all down to him. I do think that we've got a great prospect in the future for the next year or two. There's lots of talks with you know one Aldum leaving the club maybe at the end of the season because he'll be out of contract. And he's going to be a lot of Jones filling in that sort of position because we all know how good and threatening he is going forward. And it's what that front three need. We've got Thiago in now. We've got the likes of Fabinho that can come back into that position. Henderson was was missing tonight. And, you know, hopefully he'll be back for the game Thursday. But I've, I've been very, very impressed with the way Curtis Jones has settled into this team. Um, it's not easy because, uh, as I mentioned, you know, the, the, the calibre of midfielders that we've got, you know, we, did, we didn't even have Oxlade-Chamberlain today. Naby Cater's always, you know, injured, but a, a very good player on his day. So I'm, I'm really impressed with Curtis Jones and hopefully in the next few months and maybe next season, he'll get much more opportunities in a position that we all want him to play. And that's going more forward and trying to create and score goals for Liverpool. Lovely stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Curtis certainly has a bright future ahead of him. Um, you just broke up a little bit uh, there, Luke, but we, we got exactly what you meant there. As uh, Yeah, I mean, he's an exciting prospect. He can perhaps fill the boots of the marvellous Jeannie Vineldum, who does, you know, seem to be on his way. So, um, uh, but uh, some bad news, Abdul, about Thursday. Um, I believe Fabinho in picking up a yellow card today. That was, I believe, I it's his fifth of the season, and he will be suspended. I don't know if it's automatically for the Tottenham game, but that's sort of the last thing we need, isn't it, to lose Fabinho uh, because he was quite good in in defence. I'm, I'm I'm afraid. I think it's true. Wow. <laughs> Well, um, we're talking about somebody who's saying, oh, not cool if you don't get any injuries. Pete was saying that. And uh, no, we just get a suspension instead. I mean, uh, what can you do? You, in life, you get given hurdles. You've got to jump over them. So I guess uh, now Klopp's got to uh, think about whether to give Reese Williams another chance or whether he's going to put in um, Nat Phillips and bring him out of the ice. Obviously, Joel Matip is going to be there. He was only rested today as a precaution. Don't want to overload him with games. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see who does get that second centre-back position um, against Spurs, if that is the case. And to be fair, looking forward to that Spurs match, it's a bit hard to see how... Um, it's not hard, to be fair, but like it'll be interesting to see how Jose is going to line up against us. Because on the one hand, you've got a Liverpool team who are quite clearly out of form, really in a battle um, to bring their performance levels up and also get the results. But 
Um, so, so you would usually think that you know he's Jose's smelling blood. He's at home. He's gonna come out rip roaring. He's got Kane. He's got Son. He can definitely you know hurt us while we're down. But then on the other hand, if he watched the performance tonight, he's probably thinking, okay, if I do do that, if I do come out all guns blazing, Liverpool might be ready for me. I might be playing into their hands. They might start scoring the goals that they typically score on the transition. So it'll be interesting to see how he lines up against us, um, especially if Fabinho isn't going to be playing. But um, yeah, I, I think Fabinho not playing is going to lend itself towards a more end-to-end match. I don't see Jose um, resting on his laurels, telling his players to sit deep. I see a Jose trying to get us while we're down, especially if Fabinho isn't there. So, And that could work into our hands and we could get the result as a result. So it's going to be an interesting game for sure. It will be. It will be indeed. Thank you. Yeah, great answer. Um, sorry to surprise you with the Fabinho news, but I do believe it he will be suspended if not for Tottenham then then possibly the match after uh good g- grief uh good gosh um great googly moogly peter um we've got plenty of uh you know uh problems uh, the great andrew beasley the marvelous andrew beasley put on twitter a stat that we've been averaging on average 5.8 players missing per game through injury um, so Henderson was out today. In his place came James Milner. Uh, James Milner, two tackles on top of his excellent uh, 88% uh, passing accuracy today. Uh, WhoScored.com um, were very, I don't know, harsh. They gave him 5.7 out of 10. I thought he was pretty good. Um, what did you make of uh, James Milley, the machine Milner? Yeah. Oh, and I'd have to agree. I'm surprised that they gave him such uh, a low rating. I thought he did very well today, and he, he grew into the game, actually. And um, his providing some late run late runs from midfield into the box, just that, that extra body is, is everything that we need to open up space for the front three. And that's not typically his strongest suit, but obviously, I mean, there's there's nothing that man can't do. And he was uh, huge for us in Salah's second goal. So I was happy to see him playing today. And I was I was surprised with, with how well he did play. Um, hopefully he's fit for the next match. Because like you're saying, averaging 5.8 players missing, um, is that's just ridiculous. And if the news that you've just shared with Fabinho, um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a tough one to stomach for sure. Um, but no, um, sticking on, on today. Base game, I'd have to say uh, Milner was arguably um, our best midfielder. Um, I really, really liked his his play and awareness of where Salah was, and uh, I think Salah's movement off the ball today was better than it's been in the last last few weeks. So I thought the two of them really kept things ticking, um, and it was after uh, we equalized and Mane came on. We were looking particularly strong from I think like about the 62nd minute up to about the 70th minute. And I thought we were going to um, put one more in. Unfortunately, we didn't. But uh, yeah, Milner, I think, deserves a little bit more credit for what he did today. They are very harsh, whoscored.com. Uh, but they also count the bad touches uh, in terms of you know poor control and stuff. Uh, and according to them, uh, Milner actually had four 
Miss Controls. I don't remember them. Um, I do remember him being dangerous and causing troubles. And I do remember that absolute beautiful dummy. He must have got a shout from Mo Salah for the second goal. Uh, that I, I thought it was, he was absolutely terrific, really. Uh, Tiago Alcantara, Luke, uh, what are your thoughts on Tiago? Who, of course, he's still... Uh, we still haven't won a match in which he's played. Is there, is there enough words to describe Thiago? He is, for me, when he plays in the position that he needs to play, he is probably one of the best centre midfielders in world football. He is unbelievably talented with the ball. Um, you know, he, we, we've seen at Liverpool, you know, since he's been playing, he's been playing in a, a deeper role because of the you know, the lack of defensive options we've got. So Thiago's having to play in that position. But I, I love the man. I really do. Um, I think next season, especially, hopefully we've got a fully fit squad and he is just going to set the world on fire because what an unbelievable footballer to watch. He's so he's so positive. He passes the ball forward. He's so comfortable in possession. He likes to take players on. I mean, the only one bit of criticism I could maybe say that in his game that he would have to improve playing for Liverpool is he does dive in quite a lot. He's quite rash with his challenges. Um, he's not the pressing type of midfielder, but it's something that I believe at Liverpool we have lacked in the last maybe two seasons, that creative spark in midfield that we can score goals from a lot more. Because let's be honest, like we, we do rely a lot on Mane and Salah to dig us out of trouble. And with someone like Thiago at the club in midfield, it's just a breath of fresh air. And hopefully, you know, the end of the second half of this season and obviously for next season, Thiago is just going to be the player that we want at the club. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, a breath of fresh air. Uh, he's come wafting into our lives. Uh, and uh, he was excellent again today. Uh, he, he, he had... Uh, just check it offensively he had one shot that he was very annoyed that he hit over the bar he had one key pass he was fouled only once uh defensively speaking he had three tackles one interception one clearance and two blocks or blocked shots and passing wise he had 57 passes which is not many for him but 86 percent passing accuracy uh, one of those was a key pass and two of those were crosses five of those were long balls and four were accurate so i mean he was very good uh, if not at his absolute sparkling sparkling best he was still uh, very good uh yes uh i don't know um I don't. I, I think I've had enough of talking about the FA Cup. It's the FA Cup. We're out. Um, we've been out of the FA Cup for about an hour and a half, and already it's starting to feel like I don't give a monkey's uh, because it's only the FA Cup. Uh, so let's talk about generally. You know, to use a dramatic word, the fallout from our league form. Um, after 14 matches in the Premier League, we were four points clear at the top of the league. Uh, after 19 matches we, uh, and just three points from our last five matches, so we're now fourth. But we're potentially seventh, I believe, if the other teams around us, including Villa and the Ev, win their games in hand. Uh, Abdul, when you zoom out, I mean, at this stage, given the rotten luck we've had, uh, would you accept finishing in the top four? 
I don't know. Seems like a bit of a downgrade, to be honest. We could we could always put an asterisk against it and say, you know, it's the COVID season. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on. It was just a one-off season. And then hopefully next season we blast all the way back up to first or second. Because that is a standard that we should be at, to be honest. Um, I know that there's a lot of strong squads in the Premier League. But if you look at the starting lineup that Liverpool can possess and then Man City, um, I don't think there's any doubt that those two are the two strongest teams in the league. United, yeah, absolutely. They've got all the individual profiles. But it was only just eight weeks ago that everybody was talking about maybe they should be getting rid of Oli. But I can't, I can't deny he's doing a good job as well. But I think our standard is definitely one or two, um, possibly two at the moment, just because you look at that City team and it's really hard to find the floor, um, especially the form that they're in right now. And John Stone's back in amazing form as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would maybe, yeah, accept top four for this season, but I don't want to look too far ahead and rule us out of anything and adjust my expectations. I think the run of form that we're in right now it's the kind of situation where if we get, which we easily could, if we get three wins in our next three matches, everybody forgets what, what happened in January. And I don't know, looking at our next eight matches, there's a lot of winnable games in there, but there's also a few big games. And those big games in the past, they have served as catalysts for our season. And very much so, that is what it's looking like now. This game against Spurs on Thursday is going to be a big, big game. Um, not just for results, but not just for the result in that match, but also like how it's going to set us up in the next few weeks after that. And then the City game, I think we've got after Brighton. And then we've got Leipzig in the Champions League as well. So we've got some big games where we're going to need our players to really fight with all of their heart, like they have done mentality monsters ever since, you know, Klopp's been in charge. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that we can turn it around still. And I definitely think we can still challenge for the title. I can definitely see Leicester dropping off. I mean, I, I respect Brendan Rodgers, but, you know, uh, I, I definitely see that, you know, he could, he, he's, he's got a bottle in him. And United as well, I, I feel like maybe they'll come back down to earth as well. So then it's just us and City and maybe Spurs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fingers crossed for the best. I don't really want to think about our oh, scraping top four. Abdul, very. I love the belief. I love the optimism. Uh, of course, you're absolutely right. Six points off the top is not uh, a disaster, or potentially seven points if City win their game in hand. Uh, mentioning uh, Manchester City to talk about our recent form, um, I did a big XG uh, dive, and XG, of course. It doesn't tell you everything because it doesn't tell you about the quality of the attacker or the finisher, but it does tell you about chances created um, and Liverpool's last five matches in the Premier League uh, if I read our XG first uh, and our opponents XG second then in the last match it was 1.65 to 1.08 and 1.20 to 1.19 that was the Man United match, but in our favour, of course. 1.37 to 0.50, 1.45 to 0.74, 1.32 to 0.82. Uh, Liverpool have outperformed, even though we haven't been brilliant in terms of the final ball and actually creating the 
the the huge chance we've still been ahead in XG compared to our opponents in every single one of the last five games. Manchester United, in comparison, very very similar XG four. Uh, you know their XG for Manchester United in the last five is 1.68, 1.19, 1.24, 2.46 and 1.48. So it's about an average of 1.6, exactly the same as ours. And yet they've won four and drawn one. And we have, uh, you know, managed to get three points. We've been hugely unlucky, Peter. Um, how... What are your expectations for the rest of the season? I mean, I will just give you the the rundown of those games, those next eight fixtures that uh, Abdul was talking about. We've got Tottenham, West Ham, Brighton, Manchester City, Leicester, Leipzig, Everton, and then Sheffield United away. And that takes us up only one month from now to the end of February. It's nuts. It's kooky town. Um, how are you feeling about it all, Peter? Are you are you do do you share Abdul's optimism? We can turn it around. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Uh, you you use the word rotten luck earlier, and the thing about luck is that that turns. You know, luck is not sustainable. And when you look at XG like that, it it is encouraging. What's interesting to me is the last, I believe, the last two and a half seasons. Um, Liverpool have outperformed their XG significantly, and now we're just seeing a return to, um, I think we're, we're about on course with um, our expected goals. Um, maybe a little, maybe we're underperforming just a little bit, but it's not an exact science, of course, and when you take into account the quality of footballer that is, is in the moment, um, you know, hit somebody's xg versus somebody else's xg might might be very different so i think we're we're trying to find this this in-between place where the luck isn't going against us but we're obviously we can't expect to outperform the way that we have over the last few seasons so i am optimistic in the fact that i think it returns to some place in the middle which should um turn our results around a little bit um but then you read out the next eight opponents and that is an extremely defining period for our whether or not it's um top four hopes or whether or not we are uh, still hanging in the in the title conversation i would be happy with top four um i'm starting to get the feeling that fsg are uh, not going to pull the trigger on anything i think they're going to stick with their their game plan and wait to write out what the financial implications of this pandemic are whether or not that's what I would do is another conversation, but I, I'm starting to anticipate that's how they're looking at it. But if we cannot secure top four this season, recruiting and building forward is going to be a little bit more tricky. So obviously I would take top four, but I, I do think the fact that we've been a little bit unlucky and we do seem to play well against better teams and like I, I think, I'm not sure if it was Luke Abdul was mentioning the fact that Jose might be smelling blood in the water. He might tell his team to be a little bit more ambitious. Um, and that's not just Tottenham, you know. Maybe it's everybody that's coming um, coming to play us next. And that might fall into our hands. Uh, another huge factor, if uh, Jota can get back on the pitch uh, as soon as possible, <laughs> that would be great because he has been absolutely clutch for us um, ever since the beginning of the season. Um 
you know, it was no accident that they tried to get really creative to bring him in. I think they knew that this this little dip in form, the, the stagnation of our front players was going to be potentially an issue. And I think if we, we could turn around our luck just that little bit, uh, maybe by playing some, some better teams um, and having Jota come back. And also now that we're not, you know, in pole position, the conversation's changed, expectations have changed. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious to see. So I, I am remaining optimistic, but I would also be more than happy with just securing Champions League uh, for next season and, uh, and building forward because, you know, it's not just this season. There's, there's a lot left on Klopp's contract, so I hope they can make the most of that. Yes, you're absolutely right, but it's, it's very interesting. I'd like your opinion on this too, Luke, as to your expectations now. And, uh, you know, Peter mentioned FSG there. They're, they're almost definitely not going to sign uh, a centre-back. But surely, surely, Luke, um, to not sign a centre-back to save money now, um, they will lose a hell of a lot more money if we don't finish top four and you know just to remind you the Premier League as it stands we're we're in fourth position one point ahead of Tottenham who have a game in hand um, and we're two points ahead of Everton who have two games in hand albeit one of those is against Man City so they'll probably lose that one but um, we we seem to be you know on this real brink here of you know it being a real possibility to drop out of the top four and uh, you'd think it would make sense to invest in in, in a centre-back regardless of the financial situation I don't know um, how are you feeling about you know our position in the league and about FSG Luke um, yeah I think it's a it's a big issue with um, the defensive area I think we always Liverpool fans know that um, I do find it a bit strange. I know COVID has hit everyone and, you know, it's not easy because of the financial implications that it does affect teams. But I do find it a bit strange that a team like, for example, Wolves, who recently have uh, signed a a new striker, I think, William Jose, on a loan, but then a 20 million option to buy at the end of the season. I do find it strange that, you know, they're able to do business and we're not. I do think that, you know, I see something um, a few days back stating that, you know, when FSG bought the club for around 300 million, um, they've now turned it into a, obviously a billionaire franchise. And now I think the clubs that value around just over 2 billion. So it is kind of concerning when you see those numbers and you think, well, how are we not able to afford, you know, the 15 to 20 million for a defender like Sven Botman? Um, we've had... Uh, rumours regarding Eden Militao on a loan. Um, I mean, I would even be happy at the moment with uh, Socrates, who was out, who's just been released from his Arsenal contract because you know he, it's good experience. And it, what what that would then do, in my opinion, is be able to push Fabinho out of that defensive position into the midfield, and then it will get us back playing where we are. Um, relating to your point about where we are this season, it's obviously not great. We're um, we're obviously sitting fourth. It's not where we want to be considering the last couple of years we've always been challenging for the title and doing well in the Champions League barring last season but it is worrying because obviously as you said Everton are a couple of points behind us Spurs are on our necks with obviously we're playing them so it's a massive game for both clubs especially us to get a result and 
of course, we've got the, you know, the beauty of the Premier League as it always is. It's just expect the unexpected. We play big teams like the Man Cities and the Man Uniteds, and we know Liverpool will step up and do their best to win a game of football. But we've we've always struggled, and especially this season against the teams that are not doing as well. You know, we 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 didn't beat Fulham. We drew to them. We drew at home to West Brom. We've lost against Burnley. We've drew at Brighton. We've we've you know we've dropped a lot of points. We drew at Newcastle. You know, all disres- no disrespect to Southampton, they're having a good season, but it's a game I expect us to win. But you know, that's for me our problem from this season. So. I think overall, I think with the problems we've got, I think we've done a decent job. But of course, it is very, very worrying that uh, the owners don't want to back the manager. And we all know from Jurgen Klopp's press conferences, he needs a he needs a defender, and he knows he wants a defender. But we're not getting the financial backing to do that. So for what we've got, I think we're doing a decent job. But of course, it's not where we want to be at the end of the season because, as Peter said, if we don't come out of that if we don't get into the top four minimum by the end of the season um, rumours around say an Mbappe deal or an uh, Erlen Haaland deal um, possibly Open Mancano at RB Leipzig then deals are going to be very very difficult to get so it's really important minimum requirement is to get into that top four yeah lovely answer yeah thank you very much Um, one thing that has I, I'm sorry, Abdul. I'm going to come to you next. You're you're an optimistic guy, and I don't want to hang around too much on the negatives. But I do have one more thing that's concerning me, and then we'll get on to you know something a bit more positive. But so what? Something else that's um, concerning me is something that Henderson said uh, recently that we need goals from everywhere. We shouldn't just put the onus on the front three. So I had a look today at the goals and creativity from midfield um and the question i asked myself was do we need more and so i looked at all of the premier league form of all of the midfielders we've used this season so we've used eight midfielders this season and i'll go through their records uh, in order of minutes on the pitch so Wijnaldum has played the most amount of minutes 1530 minutes he has one goal and no assists uh, all of these stats are just in the Premier League. Henderson, 1,225 minutes, one goal, one assist. Curtis Jones, 687 minutes, no goals, no assists. Thiago, 423 minutes, no goals, no assists. Cater, 395 minutes, no goals, no assists. Milner, 350 minutes, no goals, one assist. Shakiri, 246 minutes, no goals, one assist. Chamberlain, 136 minutes, no goals, one assist. So in total, that's eight midfielders, a total of 4,992 minutes, which works out if you divide it by 95, because, you know, each match lasts around 95 minutes. That's 52 matches, 52 and a half matches. And our grand total for all of our midfielders combined is two goals and four assists. Is this a system problem because uh, the midfield is there for muscle more than uh, creative threat and tactical discipline to stop breakaways? 
Um, and we, we rely on our fullbacks and the front three to get all of the goals. Or would you like to see, for example, like James Milner today when he made that lovely run, took a gamble and unfortunately skied his shot when he was in on goal? Um, is, you know, do you want to see more creativity from midfield, Abdul? Absolutely. Um, I think it's been one of the... Like every team, you, you want to evolve and you want to get better, right? And that's the most glaring area where we can evolve um, over the last few seasons. Because I don't think this is even uh, special for this season. I mean, this lack of goals or assists, it's pretty much been the same ever since we really got our cemented system. The last midfielder that I can really remember who put up numbers for us was possibly Lalana when he was in um, his kind of really good form in 16-17. Coutinho obviously was playing more like a winger, but he did have that one period where he was playing like a eight at some points. But yeah, absolutely. But like you said, it is a, it is a system issue. It is because um, when we go forward, we need to have protection so that if teams hit us on the transition, we don't concede like we did today. Um, so obviously Klopp has set us up in a way that, you know, the midfielders primarily, they're always thinking with two minds, like, can I get back and be defensive? Curtis Jones, um, it's been weird, like, seeing the narrative around him in the Liverpool fan base on, on, on Twitter, because obviously he scored that delicious curler against Everton last season. He scored a ton of goals in, I think, an earlier cup round this season. He's always been seen as kind of like the technical more attacking midfielder compared to Coutinho. And now a lot of fans, he's not really putting up the numbers that they thought, oh, you know, he's the attacking midfielder and he's playing a lot more conservative than they thought that he would be. Um, but I, I don't blame him for it. I think it's exactly what Klopp wants from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how we can actually uh, coax more numbers out of our midfield. I think maybe the first step is playing more Oxlade-Chamberlain because he is a absolute dynamo midfield he can get his long shots away um very kevin de bruyne-esque with his deliveries as well so he can definitely get more numbers for us from there shakiri he's now playing more like an eight he can definitely be decisive score more goals get more assists for sure um but i don't know wijnaldum milner henderson even Thiago, to an extent, I don't really see them getting many more numbers. So I don't know. It's up to Klopp what he wants from this team. If he wants to, he wants to change up his midfield a bit more, maybe introduce Minamino, play him as a 10, uh, then yeah, he'll get his goals from midfield. But it's hard. I think it's hard for Klopp to lose that protection because uh, that's a lot of what keeps us strong. So yeah, it's, it's a really hard balancing act, basically. It is. It's a very fair answer. Absolutely. Uh, you could argue that Klopp has, has tried to get some more creativity, um, you know, with Nabil Fekir, for example, uh, the transfer that just fell through at the last minute. But, um, yeah, that's just something we can, you know, as you say, it's glaring. We can definitely improve upon that. Um, Peter, uh, let's move to the, um, you know, just, just something, you know, a little bit brighter. That It's, it's a difficult period, uh, but there's something that went, Around Twitter last week, I saw it posted by uh, at underscore LFC Hughes, who posted um, some, someone called Crowjack. He said, a neutral here, a Swansea fan. A Swansea fan wrote this. It's pretty obvious 
The Liverpool squad is mentally, emotionally and physically drained. Don't blame the players and Klopp for what is going on now. It's normal after three years with two Champions League finals and two Premier League seasons with so many points earned. This is not a normal season. Covid, no fans, injuries to key players, no proper pre-season, no luck in some games, referees, I could go on. Stay behind your excellent manager and the team and remember how much joy they've brought not only to you but to many neutral football fans around the world. And that is a marvellous summary, I think. I mean, I think that's a brilliant summary. That really does hit the nail on many heads. It, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, go on. Go, Peter. Let, go, what, what do you make of it? Well, I, I, I saw that post. My, my brother sent me that post. It, it has been going around, and, and it's absolutely spot on. Ever since we lost the fans there has been a, a huge factor in in, uh, in the game missing. And not just for Liverpool, but the teams that we play against, now that we're, I mean, we've been dominant for a few years, but now being a, the, the champions, uh, teams are able to play so negatively against us and without their home fans um, to get anxious, uh, to, to start to tell their players to, to push forward. You can come with a very simple, very unattractive plan and um, just built to stifle the opposition. And there's nobody in the stands that's going to be sharing their two cents with you about it. And I noticed this when we played Arsenal. I think it was just two or three games into Project Restart. And there is no way that the Arsenal fans would have allowed uh, Arsenal to play like that at home. But sure enough, they did. And, you know, we had a couple silly mistakes and they pounced on them. But uh, the fact that we have not had um, our fans behind us, such an emotional team built on characters from the top down. Klopp is a performer. Firmino is a performer. All these people thrive on that adrenaline. I'm actually a performing artist myself, and I haven't been able to perform and do what I do in front of a crowd and not having that adrenaline it is really really difficult to replicate i also think we still have the personnel that gave us these four major honors in the last two years fabinho and henderson missing out of the midfield that's not a forever thing and even if this season is going to continue to be rocky the one thing that we we do know is that the unexpected is happening. Expect the unexpected. I think uh, Luke was saying that. And we are used to seeing teams run away with their lead and just and and just become champions. And I think this year there are going to be many more twists and turns. Hopefully that involves us <laughs> picking back up our form. But I do believe that we have to trust the personnel, the manager the players that we do have, the players that we know are going to come back. They've already proven themselves to be able to deliver the goods. And there are so many weird circumstances, not to mention we don't talk about how some of these players have recovered from their um, whenever they've gotten COVID. You know, I haven't had it. I don't know. Some people probably had no symptoms, but probably some other people have felt it more. And we don't know anything about these these players' relationship with 
with their recovery and the impacts of actually having COVID. <laughs> um, so yes, they have far too much trust in the bank um, for me not to just stay behind them. I can't wait for them to get back in front of the crowd and be reminded and encouraged when a call goes against you or when you think somebody bought a penalty to have 45,000 people letting you know, we believe that was bullshit too. And come on, you can do it. And that's, there's no way that doesn't help. So um, I am remaining optimistic for all of those reasons. Lovely answer. Absolutely. And yes, you're, you know, you're, you're talking me round. I mean, I, I haven't, I hadn't actually lost hope, but I was getting a bit worried. But yes, you're right. A few wins and we are back in the game well and truly back in the game of, of this season. But it is important. What What is important from this, this post to me is, um, you know, to remember how much joy that this team has brought us. I don't want to re- resort purely to nostalgia because I do believe that this team uh, still has trophies left in it um but Luke if we think about you know some of the joyful moments that Jurgen Klopp has given us um what is one that springs to mind for you what's the first one that springs to mind even if it's an obvious one Luke oh I'm thinking now um do you know what the first thing that came to my mind I mean Apart from him, obviously, stepping in and saying, we're going to turn doubters into believers. I mean, that moment there for me was just, you know, we've now got a manager that we're going to do something big with this person and this team. And it obviously take, it took him a few years, you know, with the transition of the squad, etc. But, I mean, that moment for me was always key and it'll always live down in my mind whilst he's Liverpool manager. But if I had to pick one personally that, I literally jumped off the edge of my seat, apart from winning the Premier League, of course, but picking something else. For me, I would definitely say the the quarterfinal win against Borussia Dortmund in the Europa League. The comeback, I mean, was just incredible. For the, for the squad that we had that day, um, the squad we had the whole season, he came in halfway, you know, through the middle of October. We had a depleted squad. Um, you know, we had players that we knew were not, good enough to wear, you know, that Liverpool shirt, but he got, you know, great sort of belief out of those players that he had and the desire out of players, you know, like, for example, Mamadou Sacco, um, you know, Joe Allen, Christian Benteke. We had players that knew that weren't sort of good enough to wear that shirt. But for me, that manager, Jurgen Klopp made it, made them who were, who they are, that, like, you know, at that point in their careers. But for me, that moment against Borussia Dortmund, um, I mean, James Milner, I, think, I can't remember who brought it up, but some, someone mentioned he can do anything. Like, and James Milner whipping that ball to Lovren at, far, at the far post. I mean, I, I absolutely went absolutely mental. Um, I think we all did as Liverpool fans that night. So if I had to pick a moment that stood out for me um, as Jurgen Klopp being, you know, the the king of the cop, as people want to call him, um, yeah, Borussia Dortmund for me in the, in the Europa League was was fantastic. That's a marvellous, marvellous answer. Yeah, it was the 14th of April 2016. I've got it in front of me. Our back five was uh, Simon Mignolet, Dayan Lovren, Mamadou Sacco, Alberto Moreno and Nathaniel Klein going up against Aubameyang, Kagawa, Mkhitaryan and Royce. (laughs) 
uh, kind of ridiculous uh, how Kloppo's ma- managed to, you know, defy the odds with with brilliant, brilliant management and such emotion. That word that he loves. Uh, Abdul, what about you? What uh, what springs to mind when you think of the joys that Jurgen Klopp and this team have brought to you? Just got to say, what a solid debut from Luke here. I mean, uh, he had some excellent points and he's hit it bang on the head with that Borussia Dortmund shot because that was quite possibly Absolutely. one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> um, I remember it because I was, I was in the pub at uni and um, it's just this pub that we used to go to for all the Europa League ties and I remember feeling like we had it. We had the winner in us. I I, I remember it like four four. I was like, "Now nah, we got this. We got this." And I stood in front of a screen. It was just like up in the ceiling or whatever, like on a little, you know, connected up. And um, the moment Lovren's head touched it, I I swear to God, I did a full knee slide in the pub, wearing jeans on a carpet. I just and I was just <laughs> there, like celebrating on my knees. I was like, yeah, like everybody's just watching me. Not thinking I was crazy, but they they get they got it. But also they're just thinking like this guy's off his nut. Like, but I was off my nut. So um, yeah, that was just an amazing moment, and that was like the beginning of the whole like the thing that's that's been so clear with Liverpool and Klopp is like it feels like we just have destiny on our side, and that was kind of like the first moment where I really felt like okay, damn, like the stars are aligning for us. Um, but just because Luke's already said that, I, I feel like I want to just chuck in one more moment. But um, maybe the 5-2 against Roma when uh, Salah scored against Allison, and just it, that was like the height of delirium with, with the fan base. Like when those goals were going in in that match, it really felt like we were unstoppable. And it's a shame that we didn't win the Champions League that season because whichever media company made a DVD of that, they would have sold out because that was just spellbinding everything that you love about football that Champions League run was and that was uh, encapsulated in that 5-2 against Roma so yeah love Klopp and uh, yeah I absolutely think that we're going to turn it around and positivity I, I, mean, I am a cringily po- positive guy and maybe I am a bit too positive and maybe I should be a bit more you know pessimistic not pessimistic but realistic about where we are right now but I, I, I still see fuel in our tank and I think we can bring it back and we can have those great moments again so yeah you never walk alone lads beautiful answer Abdul beautiful answer and you know statistically I mean if that's your qualitative analyst analysis the um you know the 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 quantitative god it's so hard to say analysis uh backs you up statistically we are not playing that badly and uh, things are you know, look like they are about to turn. Um, Peter, what about you? A moment of joy brought to you by Kloppo. Oh, oh, and I just have to thank you. I'm loving this part of the conversation. It's put a smile on my face, and I'll just say, let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. <laughs> I have I have to tell you, that um, that was a huge monkey off our back when we finally won the Champions League. Um, all those moments you guys have brought up obviously were amazing. The, the Roma game was on my birthday. I don't think we've ever played better than we played on that particular day. But to rally the team um, after losing uh, the year before, to come back and uh, 
what he did with uh, the players to, to get them to, to beat Barcelona. I was on the phone with my brother every day leading up to that Tottenham game, talking about why I think we can do it and how important it is that we do it. And for the club and for Jurgen personally to finally win a final, it just opened the floodgates of belief. And everybody said it's, you know, that first, that first tr- trophy, that first title is the hardest one to win, and it sure was. And coming off the back of that disappointing end of the season, um, had we lost that final to Tottenham, uh, I don't know if we would have been able to recover again. So for me, that was euphoria all the way. Beautiful answer. And you're so right, having lost so many finals. Um, yeah, we, we, we would never have lived it down. That was such an important... I, I, I think that's... The, I mean, it's, although it's, it is pretty obvious to say because it's the Champions League final, but that was the one result that was the most important match in Jurgen Klopp's LFC life anyway. And to come out on top was... It was absolutely stunning. Uh, I'm going to go with... Um, <laughs> an obvious one that gets me chuckling and smiling now. Um, because I'm only still processing the fact that it went in, and that was, you know, corner taking quickly Origi. Um, a couple of episodes ago, I'm not sure if it was in the last episode, I talked about when Mohamed Salah scored the second against Manchester United and the crowd went wild. That was the only time in my life when I'd removed uh, my top and I was whirling my. LFC top, much to the dismay of my neighbours, around my head, uh, topless in my living room, watching that going absolutely wild. But when Divock Origi scored that goal against Barcelona, it's the only time where I've been sort of dumbfounded, dumbstruck. I couldn't speak. I was rendered mute by joy and I've heard of many different expressions regarding joy but I didn't realise joy could actually sort of make you you know lose the power of of speech and thought and rational anything Um, and I was watching it with my friend Loic and he just kept asking if I was okay and I couldn't really answer uh, f- until after the final whistle had gone, and then it, and I, I'm still processing the fact that that went in, and we managed to beat Barcelona with Messi and 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 Suarez, and uh, we had uh, the div, and we had Shaq starting. Um, it's <laughs> it's still the most remarkable result uh, that I've known. Uh, in the context, um, I mean, we had three shots on target. I've got it in front of me, and we scored four goals. That's how crazy it is because Javier Mascherano scored an own goal um, in the forty seventh minute. Um, I'd completely forgotten about that, but uh, it was uh, it was just the craziest. Oh no no no! Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong four nil. Sorry, that was four nil in the international champions cup. That excuse me, we've beaten them too too often four uh, nil. The Champions League. There you go. It was Divock Origi's two goals and Jorginho Vijnaldum's two goals. Of course it was. My God, of course it was. 
Uh, damn you, Google. Take me down blind alleys. Uh, we had 13 shots with seven on target. That lineup with no Bobby, uh, no Mo Salah. We had Shakiri Origi and Mane up front. We had Fabinho, Henderson and Milner in midfield. We had Trent, Matip, Van Dyke and Robertson in defence and the wonderful Alison Becker in goal. Um, Kloppe basically built that team. Um, it's glorious and it's still glorious and we're going to hold on to that. Um, so thank you very, very much. Luke, it's been an absolute joy to have you with us on uh, your first uh, cop on. Uh, thank you very much. And Abdul, thank you for your, for and, and Peter as well. So I'm so happy that all three of you were able to, you know, chew the fat. And, uh, you know, I'm really convinced that this season is absolutely far from over and we've got all to play for. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I'll, I'll make sure, um, you know, to put a link to the 1892 Reds uh, podcast. Is it just on YouTube, Luke? Yeah. So um, at the moment, we're, we did do a few episodes on Spotify. Um, but uh -huh. more recently, we've, um, we've, basically, we've mainly focused on YouTube. Um, we're okay. uploading our episode tonight. I hope in the next couple of hours of our review with um our co-host ricky um and yeah please like and subscribe to the channel we're nearly at 50 subscribers and obviously thank you very much to you guys on cop on for letting us be on and yeah hopefully to speak to you again one day soon and hopefully join us on the 892 reds podcast one day i would love that thank you so so much um yeah have a great uh, have a great rest of the night or day or evening where, wherever you may be thank you so much guys Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.